Who am I? I was born in 1892 in northern Germany. My father was a Lutheran pastor. I grew up to be an officer in the German Navy. My autobiography is entitled From U-Boat to Pulpit. After the war, I took up farming, but had to give it up as I could not afford to buy my own farm. I was ordained to the ministry in 1924. I spent seven months in solitary confinement and seven years in concentration camps. I am best known for my opposition to the Nazi regime in the 1930s and also for a poem I wrote in 1946 entitled First They Came. So who am I? Well, if you're here this morning, folks, you'll know the man I'm referring to tonight is Martin. And it's not Martin, Martin Luther. Because very often when you say, when you, when you talk about a man called Martin from Germany. Oh, Martin Luther. Well, I know that we, we love to talk about Luther and we've preached on him many a time. But it's not Martin Luther tonight. It's another Martin that you need to know about. Oh yes, we need to know about Martin Luther. The man who was instrumental in the, the Reformation in Europe. And bringing the Bible to to Germany. But here's another Martin we need to know about tonight. He's Martin Niemöller. You see, folks, there are dead men that every Christian should know about. If I can put it like that. Dead men or dead people that every Christian should know about. We looked at one of them this morning. Bonhoeffer. A man who was prepared to give his life for the cause of Christ and for the cause of the gospel. But here's another man that we're thinking about tonight. This man, Mr. Niemöller, another German. And he, he is just as faithful as Bonhoeffer and he's just as worthy of our attention as Bonhoeffer. So we're going to think about him tonight. This dead man that every Christian should know about. Maybe you don't know about him tonight. You don't know him from Adam. This is a very strange name for you tonight. Sometimes Christians say, oh, there's a strange name and they run a mile. It's a big name. It's hard to say. Well, let me tell you, the Bible's full of big names that are hard to say, but we need to know about them. And they're recorded in scripture for our learning and for our benefit. Well, there are names that are recorded in history, in church history, that we need to know about. So let's think about this Martin Niemöller from Germany. What do you think, first of all, folks, tonight about his love for the Bible? His love for the Bible. Here was a man who loved the word of God. 
He was a man, of course, who spent time, as we have already mentioned, in concentration camps because of his love for the Bible and because of his commitment to the Word of God. He was imprisoned during the the years of the Second World War for his faithfulness to the Word of God. Solitary confinement for seven months, concentration camps for seven years because he would not deny the Word of God. Here's what he had to say about the Word of God. I want you to listen to the words of this Mr. Niemöller. The Word of God was simply everything to me during my years of imprisonment. It brought comfort and strength, guidance and hope. It was the master of my days and the companion of my nights, the bread of life which kept me from starvation and the water of life that refreshed my soul. That's how he described his Bible, the Word of God, during those years when at the hands of Adolf Hitler he was imprisoned. And remember that Niemöller was Hitler's or one of Hitler's personal prisoners. He was one of the men in Germany that Hitler particularly despised. You see, Martin was actually actually released. He was released after the seven months in solitary confinement. But when Hitler found out that he had been released, he immediately ordered that he be rearrested and taken to the concentration camp. And he spent some time in in one particular concentration camp and then he was moved to another one. And all at the whim of Hitler. There were other men, other faithful pastors that we could mention tonight. We could uh, mention their names. Men who were also in prison at that particular time. You You know, these men from the Holocaust, these pastors like Bonhoeffer and Niemöller and others that we could mention today as we remember the Holocaust, as we, as we remember the awful events of the Holocaust, but yet the inspirational stand that men took in defiance of, of the tyrant Hitler. These men are in good company because whenever you read through your Bible, you find time and time again God's servants are in prison. First book of the Bible, Genesis, Joseph in prison for no good reason. An innocent man behind bars. I was just reading this past week about Jeremiah. Sure, they threw Jeremiah into prison. And it says that the the words that the King James Bible uses is, he sunk in the mire. It was was a, a, a disgusting foul place where the prophet Jeremiah was put. It was a, a, an awful place for a human being to be put into. 
God's servant who had been faithful to the city of Jerusalem, who had preached the truth, and yet he finds himself in a dungeon. And by the way, you do know that Jeremiah didn't have many visible results from his ministry. He preached for 50 years. You know how many people he saw converted to the true God in 50 years? Two people. Two converts from 50 years of ministry. So that's encouragement for those who are faithful today in 2023 who serve the Lord. And it could be a Sunday school teacher. It could be uh, giving out tracts, CDs, whatever the ministry is. Prayer ministry. But serving the Lord but don't see outward results. There's some people and they're just captivated by what they can see. I want to tell you folks and remind you tonight of that little verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's an important verse to remember as you serve the Lord. Joseph hurled into prison. Jeremiah hurled into prison. What about John the Baptist in the New Testament? Found himself in prison. Boy, he must have, he must have done something wrong. Not a bit of it. What did the Lord Jesus say about John? He said, There's nobody greater born of woman. And yet he's behind bars. You know why he was behind bars? Because he preached the truth. Because he told Herod the truth. And he told Herod's wife the truth. The wife that he shouldn't have had, by the way. And her daughter, boy, they were, they were some pair. Bring me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. A martyr. Just like the man we were thinking about this morning. Prison. God's servants have often found themselves in prison. Joseph, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. What about the apostles that we have read about tonight from Acts chapter 5? Should they work in and out of prison? They were more, more often in prison than out of it. Simply for preaching about Christ. Simply because they refused to be quiet. They refused to be cowed by the, the powers that be. Think of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Thrown into prison and put into the innermost prison, into the worst part of the prison, their feet in the stocks. That just means they couldn't even bend their legs and stretch their legs. It's not nice when you get a cramp. God's servants suffered in prison. The list goes on and on. And here we have men that we have been thinking about today who were th th thrown into prison simply for taking their stand for Christ. But then again, the Lord Jesus said, In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But this man, Nehemiah, he loved the Word of God. He loved the Bible. <clears throat> He's a great challenge to us tonight 
And the question is this. Do we love the Bible? There's people love their phones. A lot of them today. There's people love their sport. There's people love their job. Love the bank account. They love attention. Just have to say social media. So people live on social media. Craving attention. Because they love it. And they'll do anything for attention. Attention seekers. But the question we're asking tonight is, do we love the Bible? We ought to. When we think of this man who was in prison for seven years. And by the way, what a challenge he is even during his years in prison. Do you know that he he used to share his rations with the Jewish prisoners? This pastor, Niemöller. Because the Jewish prisoners, they got less than everybody else. And Pastor Martin used to go around the Jewish inmates and share his food with them. But he used to share the word of God with them as well, which is the best kind of food, the spiritual food. And he was a witness even for Christ there in the prison cell. He was a man who loved the word of God. Let me say secondly about this man. He not only loved the word of God, but he loved the God of the word. You see, he loved the Lord. And isn't that the great commandment, the greatest of all commandments that our Lord taught us? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. You know, folks, that's what Jesus is after tonight. Your love. He doesn't want all all the boxes ticked. That's not really what he's after tonight, you know. He's not overly bothered about the shirt and the tie, the three-piece suit, the big black Bible that you carry under your, your arm. He's not overly worried about your outward appearance, the hat and the, the dress and all the rest of it. No, 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 he's not. That's not what he's primarily concerned about. Not concerned about the size of your Bible. There's some people that carry big Bibles, but they're, they're big hypocrites. But you know, the Lord just wants your love. Your love. And uh, he certainly got that from Martin Niemöller. You know, on one occasion, Niemöller had an encounter with Hitler. He actually met him face to face. You know what he said to Hitler? God is my Führer. You see, Hitler was known as the Führer. It's a German word that just means leader. And of course, Hitler was uh, taken over the, the German church, the evangelical church. He was given the orders, and most of the pastors were just 
bowing to him. Hitler said, jump. The pastor said, how high? You know, there were some pastors who actually swore an oath of allegiance to Hitler. Hard to believe that. Protestant pastors swearing an oath of allegiance to Hitler. But they did. In fact, most of them. But not Niemöller. Because he said to Hitler's face, God is my Fuhrer. In other words, God is my leader. I take my orders from him. I'm sure Hitler must have been taken aback. For he hadn't met many pastors like this boy. Hitler didn't have a good impression of the Protestant pastors in his day. Do you want to hear what Hitler said about them? Listen to this. Protestants haven't the faintest conception of a church. You can do anything you like to them. They will submit. They are insignificant little people, submissive as dogs, and they sweat with embarrassment when you talk to them. That's what Hitler said about the Protestant churches in Germany. Boy, you could say that about Protestant churches today, so you could. Hitler would have a field day if he was back today, I'll tell you folks. There wouldn't be much opposition to him. But he found opposition when he met the gentleman that we're thinking about tonight. This gentleman that we have never met, but that we will meet someday in heaven. It'd be nice, you know, to when you meet him in heaven to say, there was a Sunday night when we were thinking about you, when we studied your life. His love for the Bible, but then his love for the God of the Bible. And then what about his text? Martin's text. Acts 5.29 as we finish. This is the words of Peter and the apostles. Some people think, oh, this is just Peter's words. But no, it's not Peter's words. Uh, this, is, this is the words of Peter plus the other 11 apostles now. So they're all united. The 12 of them say this to the, to the religious leaders of their day. We ought to obey God rather than men. How do I know that is Martin Niemöller's text? Well, because he quoted it on one occasion. This is, listen to him. This is what he said. As he tried to awaken the church against Hitler's plans. This is what he said. No more are we ready to keep silent at man's behest when God commands us to speak. For it, for it is and must remain the case that we ought to obey God rather than men. He actually quoted the verse. 
And we're quoting it again tonight. Martin Niemoller's text. It's a wonderful text, you know. It's all about loyalty. Who or what are you loyal to tonight? Where does your loyalty lie? The Americans talk about fealty. Fealty. Fealty to Christ. But it means the same thing. I wonder tonight, can we honestly say from our hearts that our loyalty, that our fealty lies with Christ and we will obey him rather than men? If we can obey Christ and men, we'll do both. But if it comes to a choice between obeying Christ or men, we know what we're going to do. We know where our loyalty lies. We have an obligation, folks, to obey the Lord. It's an obligation. You see, the the, the apostles here, these 12 men, they know where their loyalty lies. They know whose side they're on. Do you know tonight whose side you're on? I mean, you can only be on two sides. You're either on the Lord's side or on the devil's side. I know there's people who try to sit on the fence and try to be neutral, but as the old hymn puts it, neutral you you cannot be. Whose side are you on? Martin Niemöller knew whose side he was on. The apostles knew whose side they were on. They were on the Lord's side. But you notice that it tells us who we're to be loyal to. It says we ought to obey God. We ought to obey God. That word ought, it literally means owe it. You can just split it up into two words. Owe it. We owe it to God to obey him. We owe it to the Lord Jesus to render obedience to him. Do you know the wind and the waves obey him? Do you ever think about that? Remember when the storm came down on Galilee? The disciples, when they saw Christ, stand up and cry out, Peace be still! And the whole thing was just like a a pavement. Right away. What did they say? What manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves Obey him. How is it that the wind and the waves can obey him, but a lot of Christians and a lot of churches can't? That's something for you to chew on tonight. This wonderful Lord, this wonderful God, we owe it to him to obey him. Come what may. You see, this wonderful God sent his son into the world to save sinners. And then he sent his spirit into the world. So he sends his son, first of all, to save you and me. To lift us out of the filth and the mire that we have got ourselves into by our sinful ways. By going our own way. The Son comes to rescue us. And then the Spirit comes to bring us to the Son. 
Because that's the Spirit's work. I tell you folks, the Spirit is not so bothered about bringing you to a denomination or to a creed. No, all he's interested really in is bringing you to a person and that's the Son of God. Spirit loves to glorify the Son. So he sent the Son into the, the world, this wonderful God that we are to obey. He sent the Spirit into the world, this wonderful God that we are to obey. And then he sends us, his servants, into the world. Yeah, the Son, the Spirit, and then we, his servants, to serve him. Just like Pastor Niemöller, just like Peter and the other apostles, we have an obligation, we have a duty to serve him. What we need to do at the beginning of another week is say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Not what wilt thou have the other person to do? Somebody else in the church, what about them, Lord? What are they doing for you? The Lord just says, mind your own business. What are you going to do for me? What service are you going to render to me? Let's turn to our final hymn tonight. 469. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 469, if you're using the book, and we'll stand as we sing. Let's all stand.